But when it comes to faith, it's very important for us to know what it is. And we complicate it, but it's a really simple story. And here's the thing. Faith is confidence in what we hope for. Not what we wish for or what we're hoping for, but it's what we hope for. It's a done deal. Now, we are getting ready to celebrate 25 years, and my wife refuses to go out to eat. I want to take her out. I want her to make like a queen. But you know what she told me? She says, why would I go out to any place, any, any place in this town when you make better food? I want you to cook for me, baby. And I said, okay. Right? Now, she's hoping for a good meal because she knows what her hope is, that it's going to be good. And if it's not, we can always go out to eat afterwards. But she knows that there's an expectation there. And that's what hope is, that I hope. My faith is the confidence of what I hope for. It's not I'm wishing or I just really, really hope it comes through. No, it's I know it. I know it. And it's assurance. It's the proof, the evidence of what we do not see. We don't have to see it in order to know it. When God speaks a promise, you hold on to what he said and not what you see. You hold on to what he has said and not what you feel or what you think. Because what you see and what you feel and what you think will never line up to what God says. Because God's ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher. He is the rock that is higher than I. So you got to hold on to it. Now, faith is confidence what we hope for, assurance of what we do not see. And look at verse 3. And I said to remember this because this is the simplicity of it. By faith we understand that the universe was formed by God's command. And what was seen was made, not made out of what was visible. This is why this verse is important. We kind of over, we skip this verse when we start talking about our faith. What does the author tell us? That by faith we believe that that uh, the universe was formed by God's command. Where is this story found? Genesis 1. And what is the one story that is so messed up in our church world? The creation story. We have so many different ways to approach creation. We got so many different theories and how it went and we're young earth and old earth and, and was it literal or, or was it just an allegorical story or, or maybe, maybe God just put it in there just to help us understand that you know it's more about us and, and him than it is about what he did. The author told us that the foundation of his faith came from the fact that he believes the universe was formed at God's command. Where did he get that from? Genesis 1. And I challenge you, if you read Genesis 1 and you take it as God's word and you hold on to it, you're going to have problems when it comes to your understanding. You're going to have problems with what you've learned in class. So, once again, is it true or is it not? Because what I see in Genesis 1 is this. God said, and it happened. And that's the whole basis, the foundation of our faith, that I believe that God said. And when God said it, it's going to happen. When God says something, it is going to happen. That's the heart of where my faith comes from. You see, because I believe in the Creator the one who formed everything out of nothing. He didn't need my help. He didn't ask for my opinion. If he did, I would have banned mosquitoes long ago. But he's God who speaks 
So the foundation is that we understand. We understand. We know that this universe was formed by the very word he spoke. And where do we get this from? The very beginning. In the beginning. And that's the one chapter that this that we've messed up so much. We come up with all these different opinions. And I'm going to show you over the next couple of weeks why this one story is important. Because it really does lay out the ground rules of how we interpret the Bible. Because if you don't take the story as God wrote it, we start coming up with our own understanding, our own opinions. And then we all, all of a sudden do that with other verses in the Bible. We do that with other things in the Bible. But I hold fast to the Word of God. And I believe this within my soul, that every single word that God has spoken will come to pass. It will prove true. And I will not listen to what man says. I will hold fast to what God says. No matter what I see. Why? Why am I willing to live like there's no tomorrow? Why would I live like there's no plan B? Why would I live with no backup plan? Because I know this, the one who spoke is the one who will move on my behalf because he sent his son Jesus Christ to remind me that my father sees what is done in secret. He sees. So your foundation of faith really depends on how you view the creator. It comes from that. He's God. He's not of this world. He made this world. Then the author gives a couple examples and then he comes to verse 6. Now verse 6 is a very interesting verse. And without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Let's unpack this verse just a little bit here. Without faith it is impossible to please God. So we can simply say this. With faith it's possible to please God. With faith it's possible to please God. We can say that, yes. But here's the verse, here's the part of the verse that just bothers me. Because, you know, like I said, if you make it simple and you read this, it doesn't make sense to me. That anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. Well, we're obviously praying to God. We believe that he's in some fashion real. In some fashion, we believe that he exists, right? I mean, we're not praying to some fictional character. We're praying to God. We're coming to God and we're believing that God is who he says he is. We believe he exists. But what does this mean that we believe that he exists? First of all, to believe simply means to trust someone, to trust something. To come means to, that those who come to him must move towards him. So the Bible's painting this simple picture that you must trust in the one that you are going towards you must trust the one you are going towards and then it says that you must trust the one you are going to towards the one who exists the ideal of exists means this to have an existence to still be what it is to possess certain characteristics it means this to exist without contingency the Bible means this, that it's telling us that God exists without contingency. And what does that mean? Just a few weeks, we are going to plan for a graduation party for my daughter. 
Let me rephrase that. In a few weeks, we're going to have a graduation. My wife's freaking out. No, no, we got a lot of stuff to do right now. Okay, so, so in a few weeks, we're going to have a graduation party for my daughter. And what do we do? We plan with contingencies. What happens if we don't have enough desserts? What happens if we don't have enough food? What happens if someone forgets to bring the decorations or we forget to sit out the tables? Or what happens if too many people show up? What happens? And we have all these things. And you know what we do? We are planning on every single solution. Why? So that we can feel peace knowing that if anything comes up, we can handle it. We come up with contingencies. We come up with plans. And you know what the Bible says? That if you believe in the one that is God and you come to him, you better believe that he doesn't change his mind. He doesn't react. He doesn't have to to make sure he plans for every single detail because it is his word, it is his will that will be done. That's God. You see, when I come to God in prayer, I do not come to God believing that he is reacting to my problems. Do you know what this morning? I got a text message from the Lord. He says, Pete, hold on. I'm trying to figure out what to do with the problems that you have. I'll get back to you later. Click. That's not God. God didn't wake up this morning trying to figure out what's going to happen tomorrow. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. And what's going to happen tomorrow? Whatever he has promised. God is not going to change his mind. And when you come to him, you must believe that he exists, that he doesn't make backup plans. He is the plan. He doesn't have to react to the storm. He controls the storm. You see, that's God. And when we come to God, do we come to him believing that he is the God who doesn't have to react, but he acts? I hope so. Because then all of a sudden your perspective changes. All of a sudden it becomes a God who, who maybe could to a God who will. It becomes becomes someone that is greater than anything we face. Why? Because he doesn't have a backup plan. He is the plan. God is God. And he doesn't. So when you come to him, you better believe that he does it without contingency. He doesn't shift. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And who said this? Hebrews. And that's why he tells us that you need to know that God does not change. He is the same yesterday. He doesn't have a contingency plan. He doesn't react. He acts. He doesn't have to plan. He speaks. And this developed from creation. And God said, and it was so. So that's the first thing. And I tell you, there's a reason why people don't have faith. There's a reason why people don't have faith, because they don't believe that God is God. They don't believe that God is the God who spoke and it happened. They don't believe that God is actually God who can do things beyond our understanding here on earth. So when God, when the Bible tells us that God is without contingency, that's what it means to exist. And the second thing is that he rewards those who earnestly seek him, sincerely seek him. And, and, you know, sometimes growing up in church, I used to hear this preached, and the pastor would always say, God only answers those who are desperately seeking him. And, and you know, yes, and I understand that's true. You've got to be serious in seeking God. But they jump over this word called reward. The Bible says that we believe that he exists without contingency and that he rewards those And he rewards those who earnestly seek him. What does it mean to reward? You see, I think the translation kind of doesn't 
give us the real weight of what is happening here because this is the only time this, this word was used in, the, in the, the Bible, in the Greek, in the New Testament. It means this. And I'm going to put it exactly how it would come across in its sense and its weight of it. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists without contingency and that he is the paymaster to those who earnestly seek him. That's what this word means, the person who makes the payments. The person who makes the payments. The book of Hebrews is telling us that we need to have faith in God and it pleases him when we have faith in who he is, a God who never changes and a God who pays. We don't like to think of God that way because, you know, we don't want to make God do something he doesn't want to do. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that it displeases him when you do not come to him believing he is going to pay you for what he's asked you to do. Why do you think in the end of the Bible, it tells us that Jesus said, I am coming again and I am bringing my reward with me. Why? Because he is the paymaster and he will pay you. He will reward you with what he has asked you to do. And because of your obedience, because of your willingness to put your faith and hope and trust in him, he is going to reward you. He's the paymaster. Sometimes I come to God in prayer. And I said, God, I'm asking, would you please give me my check today? Because you are my paymaster. Now, whatever that is, I will trust you with all my heart, God. But I know this, that you are my rewarder. Why? Because I believe you never change. And you never make reactions to my problems. And what you've spoken, I believe it. That's the faith that I have. Because you are the creator who made everything out of nothing. And I'm simply asking you to reward me. To pay me what you promised. And you know what the Bible says? This puts a smile on his face. This is what makes him happy. Why do you think Jesus said, when you go into your room, close the door, and your father who is unseen will see what is done in your secret, and he will reward you. He will reward you. Now, what is this reward? I don't know. But I know it's coming. And I know he is faithful. Why? Because it is based upon this simple fact that God does not change. It says this in Hebrews earlier in 6. It says, When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater to, for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all arguments because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what he has promised. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us has, may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as the anchor of our soul, firm and secure. I want to just real quickly here just tell you two unchanging things about God. Because the Bible is talking about Abraham and his faith in God, his belief in God. Because see, Abraham received what was promised because God gave him an oath. God gave him his word. 
And the Bible says that God did this so that by two unchangeable things, which it is impossible for God to lie. So what are the two unchangeable things that God would never lie about? It's this, that he is the one who promises and he is the one who keeps it. He is the one who promises and he's the one who keeps it and those things will never change. And that's why I hold on to his word because I'll tell you, either it's true or it's not. He's the one who's promised Every single thing here in here is a promise to you. Every single word in here is a promise to you. And the oath and the commitment that God makes to it is he says, this is my word and I stand by it and it will not fail you. See, that's his word. And those things, why? Because God would never lie to us. The Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie or change his mind. That he, when he speaks, he acts and when he promises, he will fulfill. God will never change who he is. And that is he is the one who promised and he's the one who will fulfill the promise. That's his oath. And if you hold on to those things, then you will be a person of faith. But first, you got to come to him. You got to come to him. You got to draw near to him. Listen, none of us get to the point where we have great faith just because it falls into our lap. <laughs> I was just telling my wife the other day, I said, you know what faith is to me? It's like that big roller coaster. You know, that one that you're standing in line and you look at it and your heart is just beginning to pump because you know that it's just going to be a huge drop. And, and faith isn't, that's, that's, not, that's not me. That's, I don't think that's where faith comes in. You see, faith comes in is when you finally, you, you sit down in the chair and then they lock you in and they strap you in and then all of a sudden it starts going and then you hear, Clink, 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 clink. Because at that moment, you realize there is no turning back. And you know that there is something beyond your ability that's coming over the hill. But you also know that it is his word that you are hold on, that is holding on to you and you are holding on to him and he will never change. And I'm telling you, if you just hold on to the roller coaster, just hold on through the roads, the ups and downs, and you have faith in God, at the end you are going to be smiling because it was a good ride. You see, you have to trust in God. You have to believe in him that he is the one who promises and he is the one who keeps the promise. And those things never change. So I encourage you, church, be people of faith. Look beyond your moment and believe God for big things. Hey, if we want to build a church, we can do that. But if you want to see a revival, we've got to trust God. If you want to see your children come back to Jesus, you can ask them. But if you want to see God turn their hearts back towards Him, we need God. That's faith.